Welcome all of you fellow anglers to the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian. The other one here is Mr. John Morris. And we are here to kick off this podcast and officially give you some ear candy of nothing but fishing content. We're super excited to have all of you guys listening, have all of you folks following us on Instagram, sharing all your pictures, your content, everything else. It's super cool. We, uh, we're really excited to get this off the ground. And today we're going to just be talking a little bit about ourselves, uh, where we're from, the target species we fish why this podcast exists, who we represent. And we really are here to represent the working class angler. We're not here to represent anybody else. Uh, we are working class guys ourselves. So uh, that's what we want to do. Our podcast objectives. We really want to talk about the objectives of our podcast and why we are so passionate about angling and sharing all of our angling information uh, talk a little bit about the context of the podcast and a uh, little bit of our personal opinions of different things out there in uh, popular media. So we're going to get this ball rolling. We're going to start out with introductions. I'm going to turn it over to John here because you guys have all heard my voice enough on the, the evolving outdoorsman, but this one we're sharing duties. So I don't get the jaw all the time. John gets the jaw all the time. John talk talk <laughs> hey what's going on everybody i'm john morris uh man this is brian this is awesome we've been we've been talking about this for so long man and then it's finally coming to fruition but yeah like you said before i'm john morris and like i said also uh, i'm from texas i originally grew up in tennessee um i've got quite a bit of experience on the cumberland river and now i'm really trying to hone in on the sulfur river here that's kind of my big local fishery I have around me in Northeast Texas. Um, I've been fishing for as long as I can remember. I've got a picture from 1994 of me in a, with a diaper, a bottle in my mouth and a fishing rod. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just been working class pretty much my whole life, you know, and um, it's just fantastic. I, I just can't get over how awesome this is to be here. <laughs> you know and being able to do this um so some of the species that i specifically target myself are uh i love catching panfish uh small ones big ones doesn't matter uh bass bass of any shape size and sort white bass striped bass smallmouth you name it i love bass and then um recently i've been starting to target a uh, long nose and alligator gar and uh, majority of that's on the fly rod nowadays but uh you can't beat throw in a good crankbait or a spoon or just drop in a jig and popping it up. You can't beat that. So, but that, that's a little bit about me. So Brian, what about you, man? Well, as you guys all know, uh, I'm Brian Keachley and, um, you know, I run the evolving outdoorsman podcast as well. Whoop-de-doo. That's all about outdoors. But, uh, this one here, this is really exploring a lot deeper, uh, passion of mine, uh, with fishing. And so, Backstory uh, with my fishing uh, background is, is that my very first time I ever remember fishing, I was fishing with my dad and uh, I'm from Oregon. So here in the Pacific Northwest, we have three main target species that we really pursue that, that are uh, native or naturally occurring, depending on the vernacular you use. 
we pursue salmon, steelhead, and trout. And then some of us get real gamey and we go after white sturgeon in our rivers. And then, of course, we have the ocean fishery as well. So I grew up around salmon, steelhead, and trout fishermen. And so I have grown up fishing for those. And my earliest memories of fishing uh, way back in the 80s was uh, uh, doing this whole thing, uh, plunking and sitting down on a gravel bar on the Willamette River with my dad and pouring down rain, uh, 40 degrees outside and in, in full PVC rain gear uh, with spinning glows, you know, a couple, two, three rigged up on a dropper rig uh, out there just whipping around in the current with a piece of sand shrimp, uh, trying to get a spring Chinook or fall Chinook or winter steelhead or summer steelhead, whatever was moving up the river. It was, uh, that was my earliest memory. Um, when I finally got a rod in my hand, it was little old Zebco push button. I was five, got my first stock of rainbow trout out of a little inlet in a reservoir up in the mountains. And, uh, I was officially hooked by then. And I think that, uh, that got even worse when my grandpa took me out and I accidentally hooked the steelhead when I was six on a worm and in a, a very high up Creek, uh, it was like a three or four pound steelhead totally snapped the line, uh, line technology wasn't the same back when I was a kid. And I don't think anybody had the money to get the real expensive stuff. So it was uh, one of those things that was uh, uh, pretty cool. Um, so uh, that, that kind of encompassed that, that early experience for me, um, being from Oregon, uh, the northwest part of the state, uh, we have just some incredible uh, uh, fish species that get to run in from the ocean. We get to target those and uh, it's a lot of fun. So that's who I am. Uh, today, currently, I target all kinds of species. I, I'm going for panfish, I'm going for bass, I'm going for trout, salmon, steelhead, sturgeon, uh, pretty much anything and everything that I can put a hook in the mouth of. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and I love sharing all that experience. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me uh, that I probably rambled on a little bit too long there. But uh, that's, that's who I am. And that's why it makes me passionate about uh, fishing and what I love to do. So, um, pretty cool stuff. So you got anything else to add to that, John? You can hear me now, right? Yeah, I can. Okay. So we got some guys leaf blowing in the back of my house right now. So it's probably pretty loud, <laughs> but, uh, um, I do own Morrison Sun Custom Baits. Uh, it's a fly and soft plastic company based here in Texas, but uh, that's that's really it. Um, man, so who we are and where we've been, but where did you, you, you talked about where you got your start on, would you say the little, how do you say that, Lamet? Willamette. How, yeah. how do you say that river in there? Uh, Willamette. Uh, yeah. Some people say Willamette or uh, Willamette. Oh, it's a Will W. Yeah, yeah. Willamette. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Willamette. See, that's a lot easier. I was trying to say La Lamette. I was I, like, man, that's a tongue twister right there. <laughs> I, I, I think I sent but, you a, 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 a like an aerial screenshot of a, a, a park down there. It's called Clackamas, where yeah. the Clackamas and Willamette meet. And you were like, uh, Quackamedi or something like that. I think you, you sent it back. It's like, is that, <laughs> is that the Quackamedi Park or whatever else? Because I was showing you where the two rivers came together and it just kind of makes a big whirlpool. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. He's not from around here. Yeah, that, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of Native American names to stuff. If you start, because uh, the Northwest uh, native languages are real guttural. So you'll, you'll hear a lot of accents in that guttural um, vernacular. So 
we we grow up around it. it it's just been generationally heard but somebody comes around and they're like will a medi ripper is that the one i need to go fish at and it's like oh you mean the willamette they're like that's how you say it it's like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah no totally cool yeah so uh i i think i think you're uh, targeting the sulfur river that's that's uh I've looked at that. I've looked at it from uh, Google Earth and everything else. We've talked about it multiple times. Uh, that that is super cool, and and that that's your Gar River, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, not only that, but there there's so the sulfur the the tailwater of Lake Wright Patman at the dam there is the beginning of the Sulfur River. So you've got all kinds of good stuff, but. Uh, I was talking to a guy named Ryan King. Uh, he's currently the Texas state record fly gar, alligator gar holder. And he was like, yeah, man, I've caught some 50 plus inch fish. Oh, I'm going to get my cat out of here. <laughs> Say hello. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah, I've caught 50 plus inch gar out of the spillway there. I was like, okay, well, I'm not in the wrong spot then. Sorry, I dropped my pen. And Dude, there's there's been giant bass caught out of there, crappie, panfish, you name it. Um, I was trying to sight fish this buffalo last time I was down there. <laughs> it, uh, it, it, it it kept they kept coming up on the rocks. I, I know this is getting off track, maybe, but so you know, as a spillway, it's just the discharge area of a dam, right? So it's forked off like this, and on this side of the rocks, I kept seeing this buffalo just come up the current and i was like i'm gonna catch this guy so i kept kept throwing my fly up in front of him and i wasn't even stripping i was just trying to dead drift it in front of him and then as i got closer i'd twitch it he didn't want anything to do with it really i yeah i hate that you know that that's one of those things where uh you know you get you get a fish and i i spent the weekend uh, up at the uh, quote unquote jurassic river um and and there was uh i don't know 15, 20 trout stacked underneath a log. You can see their tails from the backside and you go up and you see their heads. And these are, these are fairly good sized trout and uh, took a nymph and bombed the nymph about 15 feet upstream on, on the fly rod. And keep in mind, I'm running four X uh, leader on this thing. And, and I'm just letting it drift down, smack a bull trout square in the face. I mean, it's coming down and it goes thud like that. And <laughs> the, the fish just kind of backs up like, it ain't real. I ain't hitting it. I'm not stupid. And, and it's like, yeah, that's why you're 33 inches long. Probably you're, you're, you're just a monster bull trout. And I'm like, this thing's supposed to be some aggressive char species, you know, that, that just rips and shreds everything in the river to pieces. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I smack you in the face with a, with a chronomid and you don't even want to take it. Come on, dude. And I'm over there. I'm getting more and more <laughs> frustrated. Of course, a friend, uh, you know, he's over there, he's smacking them in the face with weighted mop flies and everything else. And they're just like, eh, whatever they, they, they weren't having none of it. They're like looking out of the side of their eye and they're, they're, they're down there popping scuds out of the bottom and eating them. So we were, we, we were just totally uh, messing with them and they were messing with us. So totally understand that sight fishing for a big fish. It's like, yeah, you're there and, and you want it real bad but they ain't going to come and play. They don't get big for no reason. So yeah, that's a fact, dude. Yeah. So, uh, so we've talked a lot about just how, you know, uh, I think, I think 
all of you folks listening, you can get an idea how passionate we are. We got, we got big fish stories. We got little fish stories. You know, we've went out and caught little dinky, you know, bluegill that are two or three inches long on like a size 20 gnat <laughs> fly fishing or, you know, had them gag a worm down. And it's like, how did that fish eat that hook? But really, you know, I'm going to give this one to you, John, because okay. we both have this, you know, what, why, why are we doing the podcast? Well, you know, I'll give you a little background of how it started. You know, I, uh, so I messaged, I messaged a fly shop. I won't name any names. And I was looking for some technical information. And uh, as a bait company on Instagram, uh, you don't always get responses that you're looking for because you, people aren't as forthcoming with information. But I was like, hey, it's a technical question. Surely they'll, they'll answer it. You know, the, the river I was going to go fish is right on their doorstep. And so I asked them, I said, hey, do I need felt or rubber boots? What would you recommend? Do I need studs for this, uh, this fishery? And uh, they did get back to me, by the way. It took them five days. It took them five days to get back to me. They could be really busy, you know, but at that moment in time, I had seen that they had seen my message and it had been sitting in their messages for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I was like, well, that sucks. And I messaged you and I was like, man, I just want to know what kind of boots I should wear. And then we, we, we started kind of jiving on it. You know, we were like, man, these, a lot of these shops, not just fly shops, but bait shops and stuff, not necessarily the mom and pop ones, but the larger ones, they, it's less about the working class. It's less about the guys that are out there. You know, they don't guys and gals, excuse me. They don't, you don't, don't have tons of money. Don't have tons of time. And when you do, you just want to be as well informed as you can to be out there and have a successful day. Yeah. You'll make memories regardless, but catching fish it's, is just excellent. So the podcast exists because we want to provide information to the working class we want the working class here on this podcast we want we want to hear your stories we want to hear what you have to say we want all of that because you are the people that you're the same as us you know we're not we're not going to try to sell you a thousand dollar rod and reel uh you don't have to have that to be successful we, what the, the podcast exists for the working class and, you know, that that's really what it is, is, um, man, yeah, that's, that's just really it, you know? Yeah. It, well, to, to add in and echo to that, um, you know, we've went back and forth multiple times about not just the retail side of fishing, right? Because obviously you're a bait manufacturer, um, I, I make a lot of my own stuff and I have a lot of dealings with a lot of different varieties of tackle from soft plastics to flies to, um, you know, spinner components, uh, different types of crankbaits, lures, everything else. And I, and, uh, myself, uh, I, I had a very short lived time working in a retail outdoor <laughs> store. Uh, and, and, and the reason why I don't work there is because my full-time job beckoned, uh, that I don't, uh, carry on with that. Uh, but I, I saw, I, I saw so much confusion and I saw so little help. And, and that's what I took more from that is that when 
there was somebody that showed up to the store. They were told what to buy, but not necessarily how to use it and how to fish it. It was all a game of let's take your money and let's just throw you out there on the river and let's not give you a good idea of, of what's going on. And I, I, my lunch breaks, because the, the fishing shop is right next to the major fishing river. I, I took a walk during one of my lunch breaks from there. And this was probably kind of a turning point for me outside of my regular job, you know, pressing. I was kind of like, you know what? I, this doesn't represent who I am because I, I am a teacher. I, I love to teach. But I went down to the river and this guy, I saw him in the store. He swung over. He was looking at um, uh, fish finders and, and uh, marine electronics. And that's where they had me working. I really had no idea what I was doing, but I, I learned pretty quick about what they were. Uh, it wasn't where I wanted to really work in the store, but I was just looking for something to do. And I walked down there and, and he's using uh, what we would know as a bobber dogging setup for fishing tributary rivers. And he's out in the big river, the Willamette, trying to catch a shad with a piece of shrimp under a bobber and shad don't eat when they get into fresh water, they reactively strike the lures. And I saw that he had bought probably about $150 worth of tackle and product when all he needed was maybe about $15 worth of tackle and product to go out and just kill these fish. And I thought to myself, I was like, did anybody did, did I mean, number one, was he comfortable talking to anybody about this? And number two, did anybody ask him, Hey, what are you fishing for? And where are you going to be fishing? That, that those those three questions could have alleviated a lot of different things so yeah it's it's super cool to look at different things i went down and i i saw him fishing and he's like yeah i'm trying to catch shad and and he's down there and and he's just he's got the totally wrong thing on and i was like here dude let's let's change it around and that that's why i think this podcast exists more so in in uh, you know because we've had those retail instances but i've also seen some people yeah. out there that just give some garbage garbage information uh and and make this so inaccessible for anybody it, it's like you talk to fly folks i'm all down you know what you save up the money you want to go buy a thousand dollar rod you go for it and you want to get you know the biggest baddest and most expensive waiters have at it you know it, it, that's that's fine you want you know thousands of flies in your arsenal do it uh but uh I always hate to hear the notion that you can't go fish a blue ribbon fly fishery unless you have blue ribbon level equipment. That to me is not only dis disheartening for a lot of folks, a lot of folks find it uh, highly inaccessible to be able to go to those. And uh, out West here, we have so many blue ribbon fisheries and it is not for the elite, you know, dude, it, it's it, yeah. I mean, go ahead and fill in John talk. No, about dude, that. It's, that's just, that's just so wrong. That's so wrong to do. You're what you're doing is is you're putting a gate on the sport of fishing in general, right? And we're not gatekeepers. There's no room for arrogance. You should be a door opener. There there is absolutely zero room to say, "Hey, you could fish here, but no, there's no but. Go fish there." Yeah. If you, if you can legally fish there, go fish it. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. There's no th let me tell everybody this right now, and I'll be very abundantly clear on this because I have been in, in so many circumstances and I don't want to sit here and just be the only one to ramble. <laughs> so, <laughs> so jump in, John, uh, the, there is no fishery that's owned by the public people where you buy a fishing license and you purchase fishing equipment on the Pittman Robertson act that you cannot go fish that that's totally 
completely and totally a, a asinine statement to make uh, for anybody. When when I go over uh, here in Oregon, I'll go on to Deschutes River. Okay, go look up the Deschutes. It's considered one of the top ten blue ribbon fishing rivers in the United States. I don't go over there and look for a picnic lunch and somebody to pour me a glass of wine and slice cheese for me and sit out on a gravel bar with a with a picnic blanket. I'm looking to go over there, be a complete and total hillbilly and camp out and go catch fish. And I will go out there and I'll do it with a $40 fly rod combo and $50 waders. And the funny part is, is that when I see all those guys rolling up and down the access road with their BMWs and their Mercedes Benz and their Sage fly rods and everything else, and they're giving me snide looks, the only thing that I know is, is that I'm probably out fishing them. You know why? Because I'm not out there stressed out, freaked out, trying to catch a fish to prove some kind of point. I'm out there and it's me and nature and I don't have to prove nothing to anybody. And I love fly fishing. Don't get me wrong. But I think anybody, you could go throw on a pair of sandals, be out there shirtless and turning bright red in the sun and still be out there having a good time. You don't have to have Sims waders. You don't have to have a Sage $1,000 zero weight rod. You don't have to have uh, the, the, the top of the line flies. And you most certainly don't have to have a damn guide on that river. You just go over there when the hatch is right, and they'll probably eat a, a Coke bottle cap right off the top of the water. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. I mean, that's you, you hit it. That's the nail on the head right there, man. Don't there, there's no there is no fiscal value on the knowledge that you can gain from getting out on the river yourself. Now, uh, I will say, uh, trying on the the guide remark, you don't need a guide. But if you can find a guide for the right price, you can't beat that. And I'm not saying go find the guy that's going to take you out and, oh, lunch is provided. And then you're out there drinking wine and all this stuff. No, man, go find the guy that his boat looks like it was made in the 50s. Yeah. He's, got, he's got flies scattered all over the floor. He drives up with his rusted white Ford pickup truck. He gets out, takes off his work shirt, and then puts on his guide shirt that's the guy you want. Absolutely. That, well, I, I have, a, I have my guide here. Okay. And, and you know, him, John, I know him, maybe we'll get him on the yeah. podcast. He's my guide. All right. He rolls up, he's got a cool little drift boat. Well, it's not little, it's actually a pretty good size, but you get in the drift boat, there's fish blood on the floor. You know, things are going right when you see <laughs> blood on the floor. Okay. So there's fish <clears throat> blood on the floor. He's got, you know, we roll up and he's like, oh, hey, there's some elk in the orchard over there or something like that. We hop in the boat no more than five minutes later. We motor up river and start blasting fish out. And he's having a good time. We're having a good time. He's eating cold pizza and drinking rock stars. We're eating beef turkey. <laughs> we're drinking, you know, I mean, we're just having a great time. We're jamming down the river. He's like, just don't let me knock you out of the boat. That's all I care about. I'm like, you ain't going to knock us out of the boat, dude. <laughs> and we're just bobbering through and we're hooking fish and having a good time. And, and, you know, his day job, he's building the fences. That's the guide you want. That is the guide you want. You don't want the guy that's like, well, I, I go up to the uh, practice and, you know, 
do all this other stuff. And then I go down here and I sit in the fly shop and get drunk and smoke cigars and all that, you know, you don't want that guy. You want, you want the old, no. the old school guy, you know, that they're, they're going to be the boys that are out there on the river. They're not going to complain when you get ice in your rod guides. They're not going to be out there wimping out on you. They're not going to get all upset when the fishing ain't good. They're, they're going to improvise and adapt and they know how to get it done. So yeah, absolutely. And they don't, absolutely. Cost, they don't cost a thousand dollars a day. You can usually get by with them. If you're going to do a guide for a couple hundred bucks a day, if you even need that, or like around here, bottom fishing trip, about a hundred bucks, go out there for eight hours and go jerk a jig off the bottom. You end up catching a lingcod size of with a head, the size of a uh, basketball, you know, <laughs> why not? Dude, absolutely. So, um, that that's that's who we want man that's who we yeah. want to represent here on working class fishing yeah you know and uh i'll go ahead go ahead oh no go ahead john i've been i've been rambling yeah no i was just gonna oh no you're good dude um so we, we've kind of talked about our history uh where we are now what what's what's something that keeps you fishing what takes you back to the river or to the bay day after day after day because you fish a lot man and i would fish <laughs> just as much but you get out there you get off work bro and you're out there fishing <laughs> you know what it is what? for me uh i guess uh they, they call it the tug is a drug right uh, there's just something yeah. there's something about going out and catching fish that that just for me, that's, that's, and I don't even know if it's necessarily catching fish because I'll sit out there and I'll just think about the dumbest things. I'll, uh, you know, maybe I'll just stop fishing. I'll sit on the dock for a while. I'll be out there. I'll just think about the dumbest things. You know, I'll think about, you know, after, after I get off work at the school, I'll think about something, some student said, and I'll just start laughing <laughs> myself. I'll be like, hey, how's this guy going to make it through life? Or, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I might, I might think about, you know, just other things like, geez, you know, I, I need to tune the truck up or whatever else. I guess, I guess for me, the fishing is, is like, you know, some people come home and they kick back in the lazy boy after a long day at work and, and they, they unwind, you know, they kick on the evening news. They probably get pissed off at what they see. And so they're getting madder and madder. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I don't like to do that. So my happy spots being out there. And, and the other thing is, is I'm uh, in, intrinsically, I am a problem solver. I, I like puzzles and I look at fishing as being one massive puzzle. That's the way that I look oh, at yeah. it. Yeah. And you're putting it all together. It's like, okay, I can go down to, to my one spot here locally and I can go throw worms and a bobber on and I know I'm going to catch panfish absolutely unequivocally. But if John sends me a box of flies, will those flies work the same? Or if John sends me a, a super cool shallow running crankbait, is that going to work <laughs> like I did last night where I, I hooked one bass and he hooked the, the heck out of himself. And then the next one came up underneath of it. I didn't take a picture of that. It came up underneath <laughs> it and hooked itself in the head on the trailing treble hook. I'm like, I think I need to take the treble hooks off because these guys are so freaking aggressive that and, and I wasn't, I didn't even know he was there. It was so dark. I couldn't even see the fish. And then I had one scare the heck out of me on an articulated swim bait. He sent me, it blew up like a bank. I was like, but those are the things that like intrigue me about fishing. So I go fishing a lot and my wife fishes a lot and my daughter, well, she kind of fishes a lot, a little bit. She's, she's more like, let's go over to this river because it's like a stock trout farm full of smallmouth bass and I can just throw anything out there and I'll bite it. I'm like, 
sounds good to me. You know, I, you don't have to twist my arm. I'll, I'll, I'll go uh, showerless for five days out in the middle of nowhere and go catch fish. It doesn't matter. You know, I'll starve myself to death. I'll sleep in the back of my truck or whatever, you know, so I, I fish just because I enjoy it so much. I just look at it as a way to disconnect and to go out and, and problem solve, you know, it's, it's man against beast in that respect. So it's just one of those things, I guess that maybe, maybe it comes more as a stronger natural instinct, but uh, I just love fishing because it's so much fun. That, that's why I love it. And I, I'm always trying to do something goofy or stupid. You know, I'm, I'm like, here, John, I'm going to catch, you know, you make bass worms. I'm going to try to catch a steelhead on this thing or a shad or whatever else, you know? And, and so I just go for it. I might sit out there for four hours and hook a sucker. That's it. But Hey, caught something, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so that's the fun part. How about you? I know, uh, you know, you get a lot, you get out, and you know your work schedule is kind of hectic and everything but uh when you get the chance to get out you go out and you hammer it and you hammer hard and you usually do pretty good catching fish you're like yeah the bass bites off i'm gonna go beat up some pan fish with a fly rod or <laughs> you know something like that so what about you i mean what uh, you own a bait company that for a lot of people are like one day i want to own a bait company well you do you, you do own a bait company and you'll say, well, you know, it's, it's a little thing, you know, it's just kind of a little side hustle or whatever else, but, <laughs> but you, you send me flies, they catch fish, you know, I, I mean, what else is there to say? <laughs> you make baits that catch fish and that's the big thing. So for you, the fishing aspect of it, what, what, what really gets your goat? Man, what gets my goat on fishing? I, I'll tell you, so I'll give you what started it. So I, I was, I was told this, um, the other day, right? So when you start fishing and then I'll get into it a little bit more, I, I just, I love this. So when you start fishing, you want to catch a, one fish, you want to catch a fish. Then after you catch a fish, you want to catch a big fish. After you catch your big fish, well, now I want to catch a lot of fish. And then after you catch a lot of fish, that's when fishing really begins because it's no longer the chase for the big one or the one or the many it's you and nature. And for me, it's, it's reconnecting to nature is, is a lot of it. Um, I found a lot of, a lot of peace in fishing. So I grew up fishing mainly with my dad and my mom, you know, even my sister. So I, I remember I used to rip worms apart and make funny noises because she'd get tired of being on the boat. My sister is six years older than me, but I'd rip up worms and be like, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> and, 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 and she just think it'd be hilarious. And, you know, we'd have the best time out there, like putting crickets on, on hooks and stuff, you know, not even necessarily fishing. <clears throat> and then my dad, we, we just fish for whatever. And, you know, we would fish to call. We, we you know, we were fishing to eat. And I'm going to let you know right now that if you catch a bass, that's of legal limit in size. I'd probably still eat it. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, yeah, there. I do hold this kind of. I I hold a great respect for fish. Um, but there are uh, legal uh, aspects of it. There's regulations put by your local uh, state, and you know, parks and wildlife, and fish and game. All of them, they they've all come together and they said, hey this is what's legal. Do it. And I'm an American, so I'm going to. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, but right now, now, what drives me now more than anything else, I've never been bitten like this by a fish 
is Long Nose Gar. <clears throat> they are elusive. You know, I, I made the joke one time, and I'm, I'm going to keep making it because I like it. I call it the fish of 33 and a half cast, you know, because people say, <laughs> because people say muskie is the fish of 10,000 casts yeah. because you can literally fish for weeks and not catch one. Well, I'm beginning to think gar are a little bit more like muskie than I originally intended. Uh, I haven't caught one in like a month and a half. And uh, I think they've been spawning, but figuring them out, it's a brand new species to me. It's native. It's a native species. Everyone's like, oh, it's a trash fish. Everyone bow hunts them. And if they, they catch one or they snag one, they throw them up on rocks and just let them die. Oh, come on, guys. You can eat them for one. And, and it's our native species here. We, we don't have trout in Texas, right? We, we don't. Uh, I mean, I say that, but there is a river in texas that's like six hours from me that might even be a cold discharge tailwater i'm not 100 percent certain and there are fish there and uh, i think they might even stock on the guadalupe as well but it's texas those those fish don't survive but these gar have been these are prehistoric fish they're mm-hmm. tanks man yeah. they're they're giant uh i i hooked I, i've hooked maybe six now in a month and a half, I've hooked six. <clears throat> I've landed one. <laughs> and on an eight-weight fly rod, it was it was maxed out. If if I hooked a fish bigger than that, I am certain that rod's gonna break. But <laughs> but but that's another story to tell. Man, I hooked a fish so so dang big and then broke my fly rod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was watching a, a Instagram reel this morning, and this guy had I, I don't know what it was, but it was in in some kind of like uh, man made canal, and it was just ripping his rod to shreds. I think it finally broke the rod. So it, I, I I was just thinking of you and the gar with the fly rod. I was oh. thinking, yeah, just was. But, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. That that is the low water guide. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that was a grass carp. Oh, that was a carp. Okay. That was a grass carp. That's what he he guides for. He takes guys out on trips on these man-made canals. Okay. And the and the grassies are there and they are huge, dude. They yeah. are huge. You 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 saw how it was ripping him into the backing on his reel? Yeah, I saw the backing it, it, and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was like, yeah, it fought for like 10 or 15 minutes, kept being the backing and then broke my rod and then still gave me a fight at the net. Oh, wow. I, I was, yeah. You I didn't it. mean to cut you off. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> I was just thinking about that video and him with that, that it appeared to be maybe a six or eight weight rod just getting ripped yeah. to shreds. Yeah, just didn't have quite enough spine. It didn't have that that power to it to haul that thing in. That's why I got that 10 weight, you know, that single hander 10 weight is just, you know, when when the going gets tough, you know, break their neck when you're hauling them in, you know, that's that's my <laughs> you know, 20 pound test tippet and everything. Just hog you know, on them. You know, that's that's another thing too. I mean, we'll probably talk about that down the road, but you know, a lot of people talk about fighting all these trophy fish on like two weights and three weights and stuff. And yeah, you can do it. And I've got nothing against it because do whatever you damn well please. Because mm-hmm. this is America. Do what you want. I don't care. Absolutely. That's your freedom. That, that That is your natural born freedom here in America. Do what you want. 
But I will say that landing a fish as fast as you can is better for the fish. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think we'll get into that subject more so, you know, when we, when we start talking about CNR versus keep and everything else and what we're, you know, talking about, you know, really with, with what we're doing here, you're, hopefully you're getting a glimpse of what we're going to talk about and what we're going to have guests on about and everything else, you know, because we're just super passionate about fishing. We love it. We love all aspects of it. We both catch and release. We both catch and keep. We both eat fish. Uh, we give we we give fish to our families. Uh, we feed the our families our fish. We take great care and respect and responsibility and caring for that game uh, when we take it. You know, we're we're no different than than a big game hunter. Uh, we will we will take fish uh, as long as they're in the scope of the law and it's okay for us to keep. Uh, the, the morality of uh, catch and keep versus catch and release. That's a personal thing. Uh, some people are agreeable to it. Some people are, you know what? You don't like it. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to look at it. Like John said, this is America. Somebody wants to keep a fish. It's their, their right to keep that fish within the scope of the law. And it's nobody else's right to tell them they can't, you can pop off with your opinion all you want, but guess what? It's that person's individual right. And as long as they're not breaking the law, there ain't nothing wrong with it. And, and we're going to stand by that. Uh, this podcast is for everybody. This isn't just a catch and release podcast. We're not catch and release uh, Nazis. You know, we are all about the, the fun and adventure of fishing. And if you enjoy feeding your family fish and you want to go out and catch fish, nobody, nobody here, anything we see out there, it's all fair game. You know, the, the, that's, that's one thing that I can say about what, what uh, we want to do is we want to make sure this is all inclusive. So you want to go out there, you want to whack fish, throw in the freezer, by all means, go out there, whack a few fish, put them in the freezer. They're healthy. They're delicious. They're, they're good for you. They're, they're you know, they're wholesome. And there's a, a definitely an intrinsic satisfaction to eating what you catch. Now, uh, if, if you have a species you hold in high regard, like, like John, uh, his, his is the alligator guard you know, that, and that's yeah. a prehistoric species. And, and, and for me, uh, a fit, the fish that I pursue that I hold in high regard is, uh, the, the steelhead, uh, what, what an elusive, uh, uh and smart and intelligent fish, uh, you know, wild, gorgeous, gorgeous fish. Yeah. Uh, wild steelhead. You will rarely ever see me take out of the water unless I'm in a boat and it's been netted. And I got somebody there to take a picture of, uh, usually if it's a wild steelhead, I see a high fin. I, I won't even take a picture of it. The picture doesn't matter to me because the picture is only there to show off to other people. What I got is imprinted in my mind. I have it in my record of mind. I can feel the burn in my arm from it peel and drag across the river. I can, I can remember seeing the side flash of it, the, the acrobatic jumps, everything else. That's me and that fish. And I'm not there to play vanity fair with a fish's life. I just won't do it. And I'll reel it right up there to the bank. I'll get out my pliers. I'll pop that hook loose and kick him free. I won't even lay a hand on him. Now, if that thing's a low fin, a hatchery fish, it's getting hauled up on the bank and it's going to get beat and it's going to get bled (laughs) and it's going to get thrown in the freezer. But a wild steelhead uh, will never, ever, ever leave the water unless it's in a boat. And if I'm getting a picture with it, I got somebody there and I can guarantee you unequivocally with witnesses, it's only out of the water for maybe 10 seconds. That's it. So I am, I, that, that's a fish I hold in high uh, regard just because of their beauty, their power, their, their will to survive the, the fact that they can return and spawn, you know, eight, nine, 10 times. Sometimes, uh, you know, there might be a biologist that says, well, realistically, but 
you, the people I've talked to said that you can get quite a few spawn cycles. So steelhead for me, that's my pursuit. And I'll sit out there, I'll go in freezing rain, I'll go in blowing wind, I'll go in snow, ice storms, everything. I'll, I'll pursue them through everything. When, when my hands are turning purple and I can't even tie a line, I'll still be fishing <laughs> for them. So that, that's my, that's my fish of choice. You know, some people are into sturgeon sturgeons right there with the long nose gar prehistoric monsters. Um, not too much of a sturgeon angler. We've, we've had a little decline in the population. So I, I back off of them. I'll, I'll hook into them on accident every once in a while fishing for catfish. And I truly am fishing for catfish when I fish for catfish. Um, <laughs> And just by chance, you know, I get a big tug and I'm like, man, I got a big channel cat on and here comes the big prehistoric barbled monster from hell <laughs> erupting out of the river, the big suction cup. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And, and so, yeah, yeah. So then it's like, all right, cool. You know, now I got, now I got, you know, five and a half foot, you know, 130 pound sturgeon on, and it's going to go ahead and start peeling drag or like, like my one friend, uh, I, I put up another video that was on, uh, the, the evolving outdoorsman page. He, he got an eight footer that night. So Dude, he, that was huge. That was a giant sturgeon. Uh, when, when he brought it up next to the dock, before i started recording all we saw it was just kind of like a big side roll a big arcing side roll the barbels and then the tail came out and when you see that the tail is about a foot and a half tall you know you got a big fish it's like <laughs> I, I i said seven to nine feet that's what i told him he's like oh he's over there pouring sweat uh you know he his his reel was starting <laughs> to smoke because that fish, while while his reel screaming is probably only moving four or five miles an hour it's just like oh i'm just gonna tug that's it. I'm, and I'm going to go down river and use the current to my advantage too. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. But yeah, like, like I said, this, this, we, we have our, our love of our species and everything else, but this podcast, it, it's not exclusionary. It's not like, Oh, you're going to go fish some Alpine Lake and you're going to, you're going to gently <laughs> handle the fish and you're going to do all this other stuff. Hey, if you're catching releasing, know how to catch and release we're going to probably talk about, you know, our best practices that we use that guarantee that that fish doesn't go belly up and float off dead, uh, you know, things like that. But if you want to go out and whack a limit of bass, whack a limit of trout, whack a limit of drum, get yourself a gar, paddle fish, whatever you want, we're going to talk about that too. So this isn't, this isn't that thing. You know, if, if you're a good old boy, you're sitting out there on the bank with your case of beer and you want to go out there and just catch fish on worm and a bobber, we ain't against that either. No, absolutely. Do it. Yeah. Get out it. there. Yeah. Every chance you have to fish, go fish. Yeah. You want to absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's that's I think that's what we really are. And the objective of this podcast is is making fish accessible. They're fishing and fish accessible to everybody. I mean, if if John wants to encompass that objective of the podcast, if you want to talk a little bit about that or yeah, I, absolutely. Know. So, you know, we talked a lot about um, the monetary, the perceived monetary gap that there is with fishing and the accessibility of it, the perceived inaccessibility was, as Brian stated before, um, it's perceived. It's not, it's not factual. Go out there with what you can afford and fish. Don't let anyone tell you can't go out with a bobber or as we call in the fly world, a strike indicator. And let me tell you, so my dad, he, he might, he might get me a little bit for sharing this story, but I was talking to him the other day on the phone. Right. And he, 
he's he the last time he fly fished and i would i wouldn't even say it was really fly fishing per se it was him with the fly rod right <laughs> and and he was 14 my dad's uh, he's kind of an older gentleman now and uh i won't i won't i won't crack his age on here won't won't make him blush but uh that, that was a, that was a little while back well the other day probably two weeks ago maybe three weeks now i took a trip down to tennessee and we spent four days down there me and my son we spent four days and it was awesome you know we spent literally 97 percent of that time outside like raiding that's my little dude he was he was climbing trees and yeah playing on tire swings picking up daddy long legs and showing him a nana and stuff like that <laughs> and but me and my dad we found about we had about two hours one morning so we decided we're gonna go take this time and we're gonna go fish well we went to a creek we've never been to before we both took fly rods and you know we were out there fishing and everything and i hooked into what i thought was a nice trout and it ended up being a nice sucker and i don't it was like after that my dad was like the cast were beautiful which i really appreciate by the way <laughs> he said the cast were beautiful the scenery was beautiful the bow in the rod from the fish just your smile landing it I think that gave my dad a little bit of a fire in his belly to get back out there. He, he's recently retired and he, he bought some waders. He bought some brand new waders. He got some felt wading boots. He, he's, uh, he's going to go pick up his combo actually at this place. He got a guide trip to in the smoky mountains. He, he's going to their fly shop to buy, nice. buy the combo he wants. And uh, they were really open arms with him. You know, they, it wasn't, they weren't overpriced. It was on par with the price that you could find from the retailer online. So, you know, I already have an appreciation for them and, and their guide prices were phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, it was like a, a full day wait, which is like eight hours, by the way. Something like that. It was like $325. Wow. That's an incredible price wow yeah no yeah absolutely and they've they've got like six guides and they're they are really renowned you know they've got they're really accredited and all this stuff but to get to back to where it doesn't matter how you're fishing right mm -hmm. he was throwing a little fly so i gave i gave him like eight flies right i tied for him when we were there and then i think i i stole two of them put them in my box so i think he's got six flies <laughs> and <laughs> and uh Anyway, he's out there and he's casting and he's really just practicing casting, you know, catching fish is the secondary part of for him right now. And he, he's caught thousands of fish. So it's, it's not the itch of catching a fish. It's just him out there honing his new craft. And he's like, yeah, I wasn't catching anything. He's like, well, so I took a, a little trout hook out of my bag and I put on a little pink rubber worm on that trout hook. And I cast it out there on my fly rod and I started catching bluegill. I was like, that's, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> don't, you don't, you don't have to have A, B, C, and D to go fish. Uh, unless A is a rod and reel with line. B is a license and C is the will to get out there. That's all you need. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't have, you don't have to have, um, I was guilty of it for a while, you know, bass fishing, it, it gets you, it kind of gets you in this mindset of, oh, well, I need the best. I got to feel that bite, you know, and I'll give them this medium priced rods. If you're, if you're looking for something that you're going to keep for a very long time, I'd say a medium priced rod is probably the way to go uh, because they are more sensitive and stuff like that. But I caught fish on my $40 combo. I caught my PB in fact on the $40 combo. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not about, you know, it's, it's a convenience thing. The higher you go up in price, it's more convenient for how it feels, but it doesn't take away from the experience. Absolutely. You know, and you never talk down anyone that's fishing period. And uh, I'm going to give you two little pieces of advice that you didn't ask for. If no one asked for advice, shut up. Yeah. If they, if they are reaching out and say like, maybe they come up to you on the river. Now I don't always like talking to people when I'm out on the river, but if they come up to me and they ask me a question that I have enough reasonable knowledge about, I'll answer. And, it, and, and don't, don't be, don't be rude to people out there either. You know, if they come and they're like, Hey, good morning. Be like, Hey, how are you? And then go back to fishing. A real quick way for someone to stop talking to you is you give them the greeting and then you go right back to what you're doing. And it's understood that, Hey, you know, I'm here. I know you're here. We've said hello and I'm going to keep on my way. You know, that's just one of the courtesies of it. You know, don't, but don't ever talk down on someone for fishing, for being out there on the water and enjoying themselves. You know, they might, they might have 10 minutes to get out there and go fish and they're just hoping in that 10 minutes they can catch a fish. Mm-hmm. don't don't every every time you're rude to someone even if it's on social media and you, you got to set realistic expectations too you know you're out there and you're looking on social media and uh instagram specifically that's where i run my business is majority of instagram right and you see guys and they're holding these giant fish i'm talking just behemoths fish of a lifetime and then you see them with one every post and you're like holy crap man like how how did you how <laughs> how do you do that and you can't be that guy because sometimes they've just got it pinned down and figured out like the 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 top end of your Bassmaster Elite series Red Crest winners uh, Jacob Wheeler I'm just gonna throw his name out there he's a force to be reckoned with he's got it figured out. He can catch fish wherever he goes. Well, that's the same thing for these other guys. But until you get it figured out like that, don't be discouraged. Yeah. Don't be discouraged. It, it's, it's a process. Remember, it's you want to catch that one fish. Well, figure out how you caught that one fish. Was it luck? Or did I do the right things to get to that point? Or, okay, now I figured out how to catch that one fish. Well, now I want to catch a big one. Figure it out. Keep getting out there. Getting more knowledge. Don't let people put you down because of what you're using. I don't care if you got a cane pole. I was literally casting flies on a three and a half dollar cane pole because I couldn't, my 10 car rod I ordered got lost in the mail. So I bought a cane pole, right? Mm-hmm. 10 foot, two piece. And uh, I, just, I just put some heavy monofilament on it because I wanted it to float. And I just put it out there. And then boom, fish took it. And it's actually a saltwater fly that was given to me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hooked up and it was this rock bass. Oh, I, sweet. 
like three and three and a half dollars in a gift yeah when i when i started fly tying uh you've heard this story <laughs> probably several times now when i started fly tying i had a i had two clamp uh two the where you can pull the triggers for your clamps they're not c clamps but uh they're the ones with the bar long clamp. arm bar clamp right i had two yeah. of those i had one sitting upright and then one sitting sideways with a small pair of needle nose pliers holding my hook <laughs> and i was you can using, do it you can do it no problem don't don't don't, don't let people tell you you got to be expensive to get out there if you're working class go within your budget don't overspend man if you overspend on something you got to understand the wants and the needs right yeah i could want a three thousand dollar combo but i don't need that so work, work within your means to make fishing affordable for yourself uh if you're taking your kids out uh i mean we'll get in all this but if you're taking your kids out we, we can recommend you some excellent combos some good fishing line and if you don't know how to spool up fishing line ask us ask us we'll, we'll happily answer you or we'll point you in a direction to give you a good visual aid mm -hmm. you know fishing is accessible to everyone and don't don't let anyone tell you otherwise i know i rambled on for a long time there but no it's perfect because i think that that really uh, talks to a lot of our, our listeners about, you know, what, what is this podcast about? And I think John touched on a lot of really good points here. I think probably one of the most important things that, that both of us share a, a lot of passion about is, um, you know, the, the, the etiquette and the conduct and, and what we see out there, social media, popular media, pop culture, fishing, all of this other stuff. Oh and, man. <laughs> you know, uh, this is, this is what I'm going to say. Like I've done, I've done some IG live videos and live streams and things like that. And, and people are, you know, they'll, they'll drop, they'll name drop, you know, a, a couple different real popular uh, YouTubers in fishing. I'm not going to name names because they don't deserve time of day uh, in my book. I watch kids around here go out. They're wearing their hats. If if you're smart enough and you're from the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> you know who the hell I'm talking about. I'll see kids out on the river. And they got their little flat bill hats on. You know, they're out there wearing all of their stuff and they're throwing three selected lures that were on the latest hottest fall chinook video or the coho video or the chum salmon video right into a hole with 550 chum salmon stacked up trying to make it up river so that they can spawn and recycle by the way if you were actually reading about chum they're a threatened species in the Pacific Northwest, just to let you know, uh, in the Oregon strains. So when you bury a twitching jig in the side of them, thinking that you're super cool with your flat bill hat and your Toyota Tacoma and everything else, because that's what you saw on YouTube, you're really not because you're killing a bunch of fish, ripping the eggs out of the side of them. Ran over, popular fishing and popular culture fishing. That is not what we are. You're not going to hear us talk no. about that. We, that, that there, that, that is a money making ploy that that's a load of crap in my book. That is not the way that we grew up fishing when I was a kid and I'm, I'm the old man of the situation here. Okay. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I could go into the library at school there was an author, his name was CB Colby. 
and he wrote a whole series of books on how to fish, how to hunt, how to trap, how to camp, how to hike. And these were all like from the fifties and they had the old fifties font and little colors. And, you know, it's got like a, a picture of a raccoon in there washing his hands after he got done digging through a garbage can or presumably whatever, whatever trash <laughs> can does, you know, and, and anyways, I, I was just infatuated by this, right? Uh, there, there wasn't, there wasn't a pop culture element. Now you could turn on cable TV and you could see like Mr. Bill dance or Mr. Oh. Martin or Whew, you, Bill you, dance. Bill son. dance. Yeah. Yeah. There you uh, go. He's, he's <laughs> he's a legend <laughs> oh we lost audio so bill dance he's your boy from tennessee then that's <laughs> yeah. that, you know growing but growing up uh growing up uh seeing all those guys on tv that that was like the basis of popular culture fishing that was like the pop culture thing like uh al lindener in fisherman you know uh big time uh, walleye musky you know he, he would talk to these guys who are like oh no 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 it's all about largemouth bass he's like no you got to go after the musky you know he had the the, <laughs> the the whole thing he's like you need to get the musky the musky are the hard ones you know and i fished for musky and the reason why i fished for musky was because of al lindener because i grew up as a kid he pulls this big like 60 inch you know muscalunge out at lake Malax, <laughs> and i'm like oh Oh, look at the size of that fish and it's got massive teeth he's like oh look at what happened to the bait you know and, and he's like holding it up and and this bait's just destroyed and i'm like oh i gotta catch that fish you know you're like six years old and you're watching this heavy action like this fenwick heavy action bait caster just flexed out like bent into a u on this rod and it blows up right next to the boat who doesn't want to catch that fish? <laughs> but that 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 was my popular culture fishing experience now we have we have a lot of folks out there and we have a lot of this perception. And, and like John was talking about, you'll see these guys that are just absolute hot shots out there. And, and what they do is they, they're out there and they're, uh, you know, showing off these huge fish and they're catching huge fish and they're like flexing out and they're dumping beers in the fish's mouth. I mean, you see all kinds of stuff like this. That, that, that's a load of crap, all right? Because the majority of us go out We'll catch eight-inch stalker trout, number one. I catch a lot of those. I don't always take a picture of them, but I catch a lot of those. Uh, we catch panfish, which are pretty, but they're little. Oh, our video. No, one sec, one sec. All right, I think we're back now. Yeah, we are. I, it, it was just kind of breaking up there. Yeah, yeah, Okay. So. But yeah, stalk, stalker trout. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so stalker trout. Um, you know, you catch a lot of those, you catch a lot of little panfish. You're going to catch a lot of smaller fish. That's just what it is. You're not always going to go out and get some tank of a fish. Uh, the, the pop culture guys. Yeah. You know, they, they go out and they catch the big fish and everything else, but don't ever put yourself up to that level. Like where you absolutely positively have to catch that big fish because there's a lot more small fish out there than there are the big fish. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the, the notion of what you see in popular culture and then, and then there's the merch, right? Like <laughs> I, I love, I, you know, whenever you guys see a reel up on Instagram and it's got metal music, that's me. So when you, when, when I got like Primus in the background, John, the fisherman, <laughs> that's, that's all me. Right. So, uh, old rock or old metalhead, you know, everything else. When I'm driving out, you know, 
I, I have my my mix on Spotify that I'm listening to. And and if you listen to it, you'd be like, this guy fishes. Sounds like he should be like, you know, sacrificing goats on a mountaintop Dude. with a flaming <laughs> pentagram, you know. <laughs> when you say that, what's what's hilarious is so most of my streams and stuff, right? I'm listening to like folk music and Appalachian country and stuff like that. And then one day, uh, Marty Miller, old Niptastic, sends me a voice message. And uh, he's got Attila playing in the background, which is nice. like, <laughs> he's got Attila and they are just shredding. I was like, oh, dude, you like metal? And he's like, yeah. He's like, do you like, He's like, I kind of thought you were more in that relaxing stuff. And then we just started spitting bands back and forth. Like, <laughs> I I appreciate all music, man. Like, I, yeah. I'll, I've got to be in the mood for it, though. Yeah. But that that's that's for every kind of music. Like, right now, I'm in, like, 2005 emo, emo oh, okay. rock. <laughs> that's what I'm listening to right now. Like, uh, so a little bit of Pierce the Veil and a bunch of other bands and stuff. But, you know, like... They've got the long hair and, you know, like Escape the Fate, uh, Kellen Quinn, all those guys. I'm just, I'm digging it right now. <laughs> well, so, so where, uh, kind of where I was going with it, and, and that's cool. That's cool. Where I was going with it was um, we used to want to buy our band's t-shirt, right? You know, because we'd go to, you know, all right, date myself again. We'd go to a Slayer concert and we'd go to a Slayer concert down in this little dump in downtown Portland. And we'd be down there, you know, and we're like, Slayer, you know, we're out there screaming and there's like people getting their nose broke in the mosh pit and everything else is bloodbath. Anyways, it's like, I got to remember the show. Somebody got a knife pulled on them. Like, that's cool. It's not. Don't do it, kids. <laughs> Don't do it. If I say I did something, that probably means that you probably shouldn't have done it if I said <laughs> I did it when I was a teenager, okay? <laughs> Anyways, we wanted to remember that show. So we were all about going out and buying that band's t-shirt, right? Let's equate it back to fishing. It's totally cool to rep your brand, right? So let's say like we got we got my boy Brad Schoenborn up here in the Pacific Northwest and he makes cut plugs and he makes herring plugs and he makes uh, wigglers, which are basically a crankbait that we use for salmon and steelhead. They'll catch anything. They're, 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 they're a Rapala that, that he's designed and has super cool colors. It's a crankbait. Uh, you know, hand-tied leaders. He started in his living room hand tying egg hook leaders and sturgeon leaders while they watch the prices right and, and wheel of fortune. On TV, okay. So this dude's genuine. He's real. He, he has a little shop up in Longview, Washington, super cool guy. His dad was just a prolific guy in, in our, our local industry. You could go out and buy a Brad's sweater, right? And that's cool. You know, nobody's telling you, you don't have to do that kind of thing, but you also don't have to be that person either. You don't have to do everything. And part of the discovery of fishing is, is breaking away, being the rebel, you know, not following that mainstream. Just because one guy throws a spinner all the time and, and blows up a fish doesn't mean that you got to go throw a spinner. That's not the solve all. That's not going to do it all. Go out there, play around with different stuff. And it also doesn't mean that you have to have that tackle and equipment that they have either. Oh, absolutely not, dude. That, that's that one of the biggest things that comes up time and time again over and over and over that I know of is that, that uh, a lot of these people that are out there in popular culture fishing, uh, what is going on with them is that they are pushing 
the top of the line stuff. Like you're not going to catch fish unless you spend $500 on a rod. I've heard that. And it's like, that's a load of crap too, because I could go take a piece of bamboo and tie string to it and I yep. can catch fish. It, it, it's not about that. It's about being a good fisher, being a good angler and understanding hey, the fish are at the bottom and they like to eat this. Or they are here and they're not going to eat this. They're going to hit this because they get offended by it. That's yeah. what it's all about. Uh, you know, it's not, this isn't a game of like bigger, better, badder. And the people that do that, if you're listening to this podcast and you're actually going to sit there and say, well, these guys are a bunch of, you know, jerks or blah, blah, blah. I'm sure I could use a lot more colorful language because I've heard them out on their, you know, $80,000 sleds. Nonetheless, if you're going to sit there and you're going to tell somebody that they need this, 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 this in order to fish or else they're just nothing but a boy, you know, or, you know, and oh, boys need luck. That, so that, yeah, that guy, yeah, yeah. that guy burned me up. Yeah. We, we were, we were fishing this lake is me and my brother-in-law. And we don't get out and fish together a lot, maybe once a, a quarter, if you want to look into it every three months of the year. Uh, well, but yeah, we're, we're lucky to do that. We don't get to fish a lot. He's a busy fella. I'm a busy fella. And when we do fish, we hit it hard. Maybe we won't catch anything. Last time we went out, we fished for like nine and a half hours and we caught a rock bass and a crappie. And, but anyway, we're fishing this lake. And we're out there and, you know, we're, we're throwing some, uh, it was in the fall. We were throwing underspins, uh, on a 3.25 inch errant shad grub that I make. Uh, we're giving up all the secrets now and we're throwing them on, <laughs> we're throwing them on a three aught, uh, quarter ounce underspins, throwing them out, letting them sink down to the grass ledge. Uh, we pop it up out of the grass if we let it sit too long and we skim the grass with it. Anyway, uh, this dude's over there. He pulls up in this red geo tracker. And I was like, all right, this guy might be my kind of people, right? And uh, I was horribly mistaken. He's got all these rods and stuff in the back. And uh, anyway, my brother-in-law, he's like, hey, man, good luck. Because we were, we were leaving to go get lunch or I think my little dude needed to go use the bathroom or something like that or a combination of the both. Anyway, like, hey, good luck, man. And he's like, looks at us like he's appalled. And he's like, only boys need luck. And I was like, okay, you're you're rude. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, what's funny is I've never seen him catch a fish there, but I've seen him there before. And it was so satisfying to throw one of my crawls. By the way, he's got really expensive gear. Uh, really, really high-end Shimano stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can't vouch for that stuff because I've never used it. It's out of my price range. But Anyway, he's he's bombing baits like halfway across the dang lake, it seems like. Digging cast and all that stuff. But I threw one of my own crawls up against some, uh, some brush on the edge. And then pop, reel down, up, 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 reel down, set into this fish, pull it up on the bank. It's like a two and a half pound bass. And I look <laughs> over and I look over and I'm, I'm holding this bass and I, I put it back in and I wanted to be like, hey, man. If you need some luck, come ask the boys, you know? Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, I, well, okay. You got bass anglers where you're at. Yeah. We got fly guys here. 
And, uh, you know, you're, you're really getting into the fly thing. And this is something that I've grown up against. And, uh, you know, that, that whole notion of, uh, of just being nothing but a boy and needing all this expensive stuff and everything else. Hey, I guess, you know, when we talk about that kind of stuff, and I'm not putting down a person that says, hey, you know what, or one of you youngsters out there, you're going out, maybe, maybe you're, you're babysitting kids and you're saving up your money. You want to get yourself a super sweet combo. You're out mowing yards, you're washing cars, you're walking dogs, you're working for it, right? And you want to save up your money and you're like, all right, all I want to do is I want to get this sweet Daiwa Shimano combo. You know, it's like 140, 150 bucks and I want to get that. And that's what I'm going to save my summer work money for. I'm going to get that thing spooled up with braid and I'm going to throw some crankbaits in the box. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to beat up on bass. Good for you. That's what working for it is. And you'll appreciate that, that hard work so much more. But what I'm talking about is, is when somebody comes up to you and says, I ain't going to catch no fish. That's not going to work. That's not going to do what you want it to do. That's we're, we're here to dispel that we're, we're here to yeah. say, you know what, if that's your attitude, shove it, get out of here, go pack up, go suck your thumb in the corner because we work for a living. There's a lot of other folks that work for a living and you know what, there's no place for that type of arrogance or rudeness fly fishing right there that's my experience with it i go down on the river and here comes 15 of these guys i call them the orvis gangsters right nothing wrong with orvis products by the way they make a great fly rod they make some great waders they do all this other stuff it just happens to be that a lot of jackasses clad themselves yeah, in that stuff they do. so orvis just remember that while you have a great product a lot of really bad people with bad attitudes put your product on and I know that like Tom Rosenbauer, he runs that Orvis Guide to Fly Fishing and, and does all that stuff. He seems like a pretty genuine guy for the most part. Maybe somebody else will go out there and dispel it. But I'll tell you what right now, I've, I've, I've had the Orvis gangsters come up behind me while I'm in a hole and sit there and stare me down like I didn't have a damn right to be in that river. And I'm going to tell you guys something right now. Every public waterway belongs to everybody. There are ethics and things like that. But it is not my right to tell you where you can and can't fish. And any of you that think that you can out there, you need to pack up and you just need to snap your rod into and throw it in a damn garbage can because public waterways are public waterways. That's the bottom line. That's yeah. what we're going to represent. Like I said, you don't like what you're hearing right now? Shut it off and don't listen to it anymore because we're here to tell all of you folks out there that don't think that you can fish somewhere because of a class warfare or because you don't have the right equipment. Anybody that told you to do that doesn't deserve to fish. And that's our opinion. They might say you don't deserve to fish because you don't have the income. You don't have the high-end equipment. You, you're, you're one of the boys. You know, you, you drive an old pickup truck or a little tiny car, and you're not sitting down at the damn tavern drinking, you know, $15 foo-foo drinks with the damn thing. And you know what? That, that's, that's their problem. That's not your problem. Nobody in this country can tell you where you can and can't fish and how you can and can't fish. And you don't have to be Mr. or Mrs. Pop culture in order to do it either. If no, that's you your don't. prerogative, you can do that. But we are here, John and I are here to dispel all that stuff and actually draw the damn line in the sand on it. Yeah, 100%. 100%, man. You know, I, I think don't, man, that, it, it, that, that gets, gets me hot. It actually makes my blood boil thinking about it because, you know, growing up, I didn't think about it. I was, uh, you know, we didn't really run into it too much because it's mainly me and my dad. But, you know, thinking about it now, I remember I was standing on a dock one time 
And now, given you're not supposed to fish on these docks, but there wasn't any boats there or anything like that. You know, that was kind of one of the things, you know, my dad knew I could swim. And he always told me, he's like, hey, if you're on a boat dock and there's a boat coming up, get off the dock. You're not supposed to be there. That's for landing boats. Anyway, I'm fishing off this dock and this guy comes up beside me. And uh, I had like a swivel with uh, one of the clasps on it, like probably like a size, I don't know, like four or six hook like a panfish hook, a really, what I thought was a panfish hook, but it's honestly probably a little too big. And I had like a plastic on it or something. And I actually remember it was like a lemon pepper grub that I had hooked on it completely the wrong way because I didn't know any better. And I'm just fishing that. And you know, with you saying that, I remember that. And he said, that's not going to catch anything. And I remember being so disheartened because that's all I had. That, that was literally it. That's all I brought with me. I, I had already used all my bread up, <laughs> you yeah. know, and that guy, that guy's just, I mean, he's so rude. That, that's so wrong. But it's public water, man. Yeah. Public, public water. Now I'm not saying try to find that line between public and private. If, if there's this, you got this gut check or you got to think about it twice, I probably wouldn't fish it because it'll get you in trouble but if it's public water and you are that guy saying oh that's not going to work well that's probably about to catch the next state record because you're too arrogant and you've been fed so much crap that you think it won't work and that's why that and that's why that that kid is going to end up being a better fisherman than you he's already a better person than you because you're an asshole yeah exactly yep absolutely and that's and that's the whole thing uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, what our objectives really are. And I think, I think that we, we have another episode coming up on, you know, how not to be a douchebag on the river. I, mm -hmm. I really think so, because I, I don't want to go off too much further because we're just introducing ourselves, but I think you're getting a pretty solid introduction and, and you're getting, you're getting, <laughs> you're getting a full service platter of what you're going to hear. And it's not just a couple of guys crowing about, you know, negativity and all this other stuff. It, this is, this is so much more than that. There, there's just so much out there in media that just is not jiving and, and it's, and it's not conducive. You know, everybody can have their individual passions. Nobody has to say that one way is right and one way is wrong. And most certainly when it comes Absolutely. down to a kid, I, when it comes down to, when you see a kid out fishing, you support that kid through yeah. no matter what. There were some kids down fishing for shad the other day. He didn't have enough weight to throw his line out there far enough. And we were fishing on a dock that nobody's supposed to be fishing on. And here's these guys that are out there, you know, sleds crowing. You're not supposed to fish on that dock. Well, they, they got the entire damn river blockaded to the point to where if he went down where you could fish, you're going to end up killing some old guy when you huck a chunk of lead and a shad dart into the side of their head. Because they're so close, they, they basically inundated and hoarded out the river. Okay, that's it. So you're trying to go where you're not going to hurt somebody, basically, at that point. Over, over a freaking herring that nobody can even eat. Well, you can eat it, but it's basically bait for us. So this kid needed a, a, some weight. I said, yeah, I got plenty of weight. I got him set up. You know what? I'll, I'll never tell a kid no. If they're like, I need some hooks. I need some weights. I need some bait. If I had, uh, there was a, if there's a kid that comes up to me down on the river, if there's a kid that comes up to me down on the river and says, Hey, 
I don't, you know, I'm, I just want to do some fishing and the best I can do is come up with some line, a hook and string and a rod and some bait. I'm going to give it to him hands down. I will not tell a kid. No, if he doesn't have money for soft plastics, hell I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him a handful of soft plastics so he can go out and play. But I'll be damned if I ever want to hear one of our listeners as an adult sit there and put down a kid that's out there trying to fish. Because I'm going to tell you one thing right now that will happen. That kid, he could be down buying a damn trailer, cooking crack, and and spray painting the side of a dumpster stall, smashing out your car windows, popping your damn tires on your truck, lighting shit on fire, and, and doing all this other stuff. That could be happening, but that kid's out fishing instead. That kid's doing something productive. Maybe it's not the way that you want to fish. Maybe it's not the way that you think that things should be done. But I never want to hear about one of our listeners ever, ever putting down, berating, running off, or even doing anything to a kid that wants to go out and fish. Because that that right there, if, if you're that big of an asshole, if you are that big of an asshole, you don't deserve to fish at all, period. You don't have any right. No. You, 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 you go pound sand. Go back and crawl under the damn rock you came out from under. That You don't have any right to say anything about any of that stuff because uh, that, that's something I'm really passionate about. I think every kid deserves a chance to go out and experience nature. And when you go out and you ruin that for that kid, yeah, if the kid's doing something wrong while they're out there, yeah, tell them, knock it off. But hey, don't drive them off from fishing. You know, don't drive them off from fishing. If they're out there, they're minding their own business and they're staying focused and they got a goal to catch a fish, you help that kid. Because otherwise, they're going to end up, they'll be down there doing cookies in the front lawn. Or I mean, I can tell you right now, kids without anything to do, especially after this pandemic and all this other stuff, they are destructive. They are bored. <laughs> they are angry. They're pissed off. It, you know, some people are pissed off about this whole pandemic thing, everything else. These kids are furious. And they've been delayed in their social interactions. So you're going to take somebody that's been jammed into a house, forced to go to school online without any human interaction. And then you're going to go over and you're going to kick them in the nuts because maybe you don't like the idea that that kid's fishing in your favorite spot and you don't have the skill or the level to go find fish somewhere else. Give me a break. Come on. So if you're listening to this and you're one of those assholes that goes and runs kids off of a dock or something like that, go to hell. Dude, it's, that is our future of the sport. If we want to preserve what we have in the outdoors, we have to mentor our youth. We can't keep pushing them away. You can't say, oh, that's not going to catch fish. If, if it's not life limb or eyesight or into the legality thing, because you, sometimes you can get guilty by association, man. Yeah. Like if he's not going to hurt someone and it's legal, let him do it. No, go, go talk to him a little bit. Be like, Hey man, what you doing? Hey, well, have you tried, have you tried this? Not, Hey, do this. Have you tried this? They need to be able to think for themselves too. All right. You, you stop pushing our youth away from the sport. When we're dead and gone, that's us. They are taking our spot and we want them to be more prepared than we ever were. If you, if you want the history not, not, not just the sports stuff, but if you want the history to be preserved, like let's, let's for 30 seconds, Jack Gartside, American fly fisherman, Lefty Cray, American fly fisherman, Flip Pallet, nowadays, 
the, 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 the first two in that, they've passed away. American legendary fly fishermen. If you can't pass down that information and that legacy that they built, then what are we doing, man? It, you you got a mentor. You got to treat them right. Treat them with respect, too. All right. Now, now if they're, if they're doing something real wrong and we'll go into etiquette and stuff like that, hey, let them know. Don't, don't, be, don't be rude to them. Don't be like, hey, man, you know, don't, don't be real rude to them. But you got you to gotta be firm enough to let them know that, hey, this, this is a real thing. I'm not just trying to get you out of this hole. Like, I, I, like, I, like Brian said earlier, I'm real new to fly fishing. I've been doing it seven months. I love it. It's my favorite way to fish. I was fishing this stream, uh, and I was fishing this hole over this laydown. It was one of the deeper holes. I, this is only my second time ever being there. Actually, no, that was my first time ever being there. Uh, I've never, I had never waited for trout before period. And I had never fly fished for actual trout before either that weren't just stocked in a pond. And this kid comes up beside me and he starts bombing a woolly bugger in the same hole and he's catching trout. And I was a little upset, not that he was catching trout, but it was like, man, I was already here, but I didn't know that that was something called low holing. Uh, you know, that is part of the whole etiquette thing, you know, looking back on it, I would have been like, Hey man, I don't mind sharing a hole, but we, we kind of need to talk about this a little bit, but talk about it. Don't push them away because next, next time we're on the same stream together and I see him that, that 14 year old from Louisiana, Louisiana, he drove like five hours to go fish this river. I drove almost three. So I understand it's not, we, we have to drive a long ways to go fish for trout. I'm not about to go tell him, Hey man, get out of this hole. But at the same time, we, we got to talk about how we're going to work this hole together. Or maybe you work this end and I work this end or, you know, Hey man, I'm about to leave. Even if you're not going to leave, if it's a younger kid, be like, Hey man, I was going to leave this hole. Anyway, you can have it. Just let him have it. Go figure out another hole, man. You know, if you know that hole holds fish and you've already figured out that hole, better yourself, move somewhere else, let them have it. it it's not that big of a deal, right? You've caught fish before. Maybe they haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, along the same lines, uh, fishing the coast this year, went down to the, the big murder hole where we had all the uh, flat billers <laughs> down there throwing all kinds of stuff and there was a 17 year old kid that was down there. He was fishing and he was throwing uh, uh, what we call a twitching jig and he was hooking a fish every cast. The problem is, is that he was hooking him in the sides in the back and the tail. He had no parents there. He had nobody else. And when you hook a 15 to 20 pound fish fresh out of the salt water in the side of the tail, they have a lot of power. They fight really good and they have a, a very high will to survive. Well, fishing technique set aside, he wanted to catch fish and get pictures with them and things like that. Didn't think that he could actually hook them in the mouth, which they can be hooked in the mouth. It's just fishing skill, but nobody's there to coach him. He was only doing what he'd seen on YouTube. There was a guy across the river that said, if you snag one more fish, I'm going to pull my pistol out and shoot you. First of all, there was 150 other people there that heard that and not a single one of them uh, had the balls to say, I'm going to call the police besides myself. Um, because as soon as you start threatening to kill somebody, uh, that, that, that's just throw your stuff in the garbage. It, no fish, 
no fishing hole is worth killing anybody over. And if you're that twisted up, don't, don't just don't be around people. Go, go climb down a Canyon or something like that. Anyways, this kid's over there. He starts arguing. I, I went over there and I just talked to him. I said, Hey, look, why don't you change over to a spinner instead of a twitching jig, run it higher in the water column. I was like, just cast over there, run it higher in the water column. If you hook a fish, you do. If you don't, you don't. I was like, at the end of the day, it ain't worth getting in the fight over. I call the state police. State police come down there and they start checking everybody. And I, I got my license checked, my wife, my daughter. Mind you, this guy's over there and he's screaming every profanity in the book at this 17-year-old kid. There's 12 and 13-year-old kids out there. They're floating bobbers and jigs. They're doing all this other stuff. And because of the access on the river, it's so limited and everything's condensed. And I'm watching all these other people and all these other parents, and they have all their kids there. And these, these full-grown men, 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 they're doing this. I'm watching this happen. My wife's watching this happen. Two other guys come over and cut my wife off to be able to fish this hole to no success. Come on, people. You know, it's just that some of the fanaticism, and this is where popular culture messes people's heads up. Yeah. I got I to gotta get the fish. No, you don't. You don't have to get no. the fish. Go down there and enjoy yourself. There's guys up there throwing flies with yarn and hooks on them, you know, and they're like, hey, I'm standing out in the river having a good time. I might get something and I might not. That's uh, we're bu- I was just going to say yeah. we bugged out there for a little bit. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, but but then, uh, yeah, there's just that that whole. Oh, we're doing it again. <laughs> So, you know, you see, you see a lot of these adults out there and they're just acting like animals and, uh, you know, we, we definitely have some more episodes coming up in the future uh, on this subject for sure. So, um, but, uh, you know, we've talked to everybody quite a bit today and, uh, we've told you a lot about ourselves and obviously, uh, we can go down the rabbit hole of our personal passions and everything else (laughs) (laughs) pretty well. Uh, we, we've had a lot of experience out there fishing. We've had a lot of times out there fishing. We've been around a lot of folks in the fishing industry and community and everything else. And really, uh, we want to bridge that gap between what you think you really need to have and what you really have to have. And it doesn't take the top of the line gear or the Blue Ribbon River or the, uh, you know, prime popular lake to go out and have a good time fishing. I think that's what we really want to talk about, so. John, you got anything else to add here? No, man, I, that, it's been awesome. Uh, it's been great talking to you and just being able to share with everyone that's listening right now and really appreciate you coming by. And you don't, you don't have to have everything to go fish, man. Just get out there. Just get out there and go fish. Have a good time. Take your family out there. And if you got any questions, feel free to message us or email us or whatever. Absolutely. So your job now as the listeners, this is what we would like you to do. We would like you, if this is the first time you've heard this podcast and you have not been on social media, is to go over to Instagram if you have one and follow Working Class Fishing. Uh, Go over there, follow John and I. Uh, We will follow you back because we want to know what you're up to. We will like your pictures. We will comment on your pictures. We always love hearing a good fish story. We like seeing a lot of good stuff. We like to hear all about the newest, latest, and greatest. 
uh, stuff, you know, with fish handling and uh, catch and release, catch and keep fish recipes. Talk, talk to us about eating because we both like to eat. Uh, you know, uh, so there's, there's also, uh, um, you know, new tackles, sweet new colors for soft plastics, whatever you want to talk about. We're, we're all game for it. fly fishing. You know, if you're a foam fly thrower, talk to us. If you like streamers, talk to us, gurglers, poppers. Well, well, we'd love to talk to everybody about all that stuff. Go follow us. If you're not on social media and you want to reach out to us, you can always email us too at workingclassfish at gmail.com shoot us over a line there. And the biggest thing is, is make sure that you're following us on whatever preferred platform you're listening to us on. So if you're on Spotify, make sure you're following the podcast for the latest notifications. Uh, if you are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Republic, or any one of the other supported platforms that our podcast is on, make sure that you are uh, tuned in, dialed in, and uh, you are following us. So until next time, we really appreciate all of your listenership. Make sure you tell all of your friends about us and get out there and do some fishing. Thanks again, everybody. Appreciate it. Y'all take care.